It's said that your real life begins where your comfort zone ends. Well, it's about to get real as we have radically authentic conversations to help you thrive in your personal and professional life while navigating the twists and turns of being human. Buckle up, because this might get uncomfortable. Starts right now with Whitney Lordson. We're recording this episode on April 12th, 2021. And last week, I don't know exactly what day it was. I guess it was four or five days ago. The new story broke about Khloe Kardashian and a photo link. And I've been really fascinated by this story for a number of reasons that I thought would be interesting to explore on this show. And for context, Jason has no idea about what happened. He doesn't follow the Kardashians. He doesn't pay very much attention to these things. And for context for me, I tend to hear about these things through TikTok, which is where I'm fairly certain I saw it. TikTok is my source of entertainment news, things that are going on around the world and different perspectives on it. And I believe the first time I heard about this, I saw a TikTok of someone explaining why this situation was an important subject matter to explore because of its impact on other people. And that's really why I wanted to speak up about it here on the show. And I'm still forming my thoughts on it. I think there's a lot of different angles that you can come at from this situation. So for those of you that have not heard about it and that generally do not care that much about the Kardashians, I'll give you the summary. Khloe Kardashian is 36 years old. She's, although, you know, it's interesting. I'll pause there for a second. I'm not a huge fan of putting people into perspective based on their age. I almost feel like I should have not said that because I'm trying not to emphasize people's age. But I think it is interesting because for me, the Kardashians seem young <laughs> in a lot of ways. Like there's a youthfulness about them. And sometimes I've I'm like, oh, these women are in their late 30s. I don't remember how old Kim is. I think Kim is older than Chloe. Maybe she's 39. And then I always forget how old their other sister, Courtney, is. But they're all within a few years. And then, of course, they have their younger sisters whose names are <laughs> Kylie Jenner and Kendall Jenner. See, this is how little I pay attention <laughs> to them. So yes, those are the younger sisters that they had with Bruce Jenner, who's now Caitlyn Jenner. And anyways, the interesting thing about Chloe is that she has been often shamed for her body. And something that's come up a lot in the news recently, especially on platforms like TikTok, is how much she seems to be modifying her body. To the point that recently a lot of people were starting to feel concerned because it looked like she was getting work done on her face and or using a lot of digital filters and adjustments to make herself look a certain way. And people have often commented recently how sometimes she's unrecognizable. You'll look at an Instagram photo of her, for example, and she doesn't look the same as she did in a previous photo, a recent one. And that's just kind of been something I've been intrigued by. Like, why does she feel the need to constantly be changing her appearance? And that's a huge reason I want to discuss this is that the pressure that people have in general, but the pressure specifically that celebrities and public figures have, and this cultural obsession that we have to look a certain way based on the current beauty standards and how that can be very consuming. So that's been going on for a little while, and I don't follow Chloe on Instagram. I only hear about these things secondhand through platforms like TikTok, and sometimes I'll go on her Instagram because I'm really fascinated by this, and I kind of want to see for myself. And I bet you I'm not the only one unless you're purposely avoiding her. Well, a few days, less than a week ago, within the past four or five days, a photo came out of her, I heard. I didn't actually see it when it was live, but the story was that this photo was released. I think it was on her Instagram account. And it was a photo that was not supposed to be posted. And this was a picture of her in a bikini standing in front of, I think, a pool without any makeup. Her hair was up in a bun and there was no 
photoshopping done. There was no filters. There was no adjustments to her body. It was just like, looked like a candid photo taken of her. And I guess this was her grandma, who's also kind of in the limelight a little. I think her name's MJ. She apparently took this photo. And then I think one of the assistants, either to her grandma or Chloe, somebody posted it accidentally and there was a miscommunication. And it seems like Chloe saw this photo and got really upset about it being posted. And again, I think it was on her own account, but I could be wrong. Regardless, she saw the photo was public. She had it taken down. And then she, I believe, got her legal team involved to seek out anybody online who was sharing the photo because she didn't like the photo of herself. She thought it was unflattering. So then I think she put up another picture of herself that was more flattering, and she was trying to kind of like brush this photo under the rug. But in the process, people like me got very intrigued, and we wanted to see this photo. And now it's really easy to find the photo of her. And as soon as I saw it, I thought, what's the big deal? Like, I remember looking at it and trying to figure out what was, quote, wrong with it. What didn't she like about herself? At first, I thought, wow, she looks really young here. This must be an old photo. But then I realized the reason that she looks young is because she wasn't all made up and she wasn't all edited. It was a very natural look to her. And I thought, wow, she looks really good. And then the rest of her body, like I didn't really think much of it. And I found myself staring at the photo, trying to find the flaws that she was seeing about herself. So the first subject matter here is like, Does she have body dysmorphia? Like, does she look at herself and think that she doesn't look good? And that's one level of this conversation. The second level, it was a little strange the lengths in which her and her family went, or her and her legal team, I suppose, to try to erase this photo. So much so that they were contacting people that were sharing this photo and like perhaps even threatening legal action unless they took it down. And I thought, gosh, that's such an extreme response. It's not like she was naked and a compromised position, you know, whatever. And some people thought it's all in her right to ask for the photo to taken down. If somebody doesn't like a photo, they should be able to have it taken down. And I think many of us can relate to that. You know, the average person I'm sure has had one experience in their life where a friend or a family member posted an unflattering photo, you felt embarrassed and you asked them to take it down. Have you been in that situation, Jason? He's nodding. Yes. Uh, maybe when I was younger. Maybe, I don't know, nothing comes to mind, but maybe nothing's flashing. Maybe later on in the episode, I'll have a moment. I mean, you're fortunate in that, Jason. And I think that is part of this conversation, too, is that it all depends on the individual. I think statistically, men probably experience this less than women, although men certainly have their insecurities about their appearance. And each individual is really going through whatever it is. But I remember experiencing that in high school, too seeing a picture of yourself and thinking, wow, I look different than I thought I looked. I thought in my head, I'd be like, wow, I looked in the mirror, I liked the way that I look. And then somebody took this candid photo of me and I really don't like it. And there's even one in particular that flashed up in my head that really wasn't that bad, but I remember looking at it and feeling really insecure. I remember looking at pictures of myself in bathing suits when I was a teenager and feeling really bad about my body. So that experience that she's going through from my perception is very relatable for some of us. But most of us don't have the power and the money to go and try to take legal action. And most of us are not in that situation where we we would even have to, you know, like, it's rare for a non-public figure to have a photo distributed unless it's often pornography or something like that, right? So most of us can't relate to that. And I think that's an important thing to note, too, is that we are in very different situations than Chloe. And so we have to have some grace for the fact that this woman is trying to protect her image, I suppose, and maybe from a personal reason. You know, certainly she might be trying to protect it from a business reason because she makes money off of her image, right? So she wants to, quote, look her best and meet the beauty standards so that she can probably profit off of that. Maybe more people will like her if she's pretty. And that's, I think, part of her, quote, origin story or her experience over the past 20 years or so that the show has been on the air. I think, I don't know if it's been 20 years. However long it's been on the air, she was often seen as a less attractive sister. She's got one sister that's a model, that's Kendall. She's got one sister who is this huge beauty guru 
She's got Kim Kardashian, who a lot of people look up to as like the pinnacle of beauty right now. And then she's got Courtney, and Courtney's always been kind of naturally beautiful, like she doesn't really need to do much. But if you look back on older photos of Chloe and videos, she was the heavier one. She was maybe not always as fashionable as her sisters. And over the years, you've seen her do a lot of work, I think, trying to get to the same point as her sisters. And I can relate to that, too, because my sister is blonde. She's always had a thin frame. She's got a body that's kind of that current time natural beauty, and it's effortless for her. She can eat food differently than me. Like when she eats certain foods, they don't seem to impact her body as much as they impact mine. So growing up, I felt envious of that. And sometimes people would compare us, and I felt envious of that. So there's a lot in which I can relate to. But the big difference here, as I said, is that I'm not a public figure, at least not as much. I suppose being a content creator puts me somewhere in that world, but I'm certainly not at that level that Chloe is at. And I think what's happening now is, unfortunately, there's mixed messages going on. There's A, the message that a woman should have the right to decide whether or not a photo of her is distributed. I absolutely agree. Like, I think if you're uncomfortable with something, like, you shouldn't really have to explain yourself. You should just ask for it to be taken down. But it's a different situation when you're a public figure and people start to wonder, why are you so upset about this image? And then, Jason, she went to this extreme of doing a live video on Instagram showing what her body looks like because she's been, as I said earlier, suspected of doing a lot of work and photoshopping herself. So after she went through this whole process of trying to remove that photo and scrub it from the internet, she then did a live video to show what her body looks like on video to say like, hey, this is what I actually look like and there's no editing. But then someone like me sees that and believes, wow, that actually starts to feel like massive insecurity. Like, why does she have to try to prove herself so much? But then she's putting this message across, Jason, of like, my body's so important, I have to really like show it off. And literally, she's like posing, she's dancing around to some pop music, she's got her underwear, bikini or whatever she's wearing hiked up on her waist in this extreme way. And she's showing off her stomach and just kind of this vain movements that she's doing. And then she recorded a second video, practically naked in her bathroom, jumping up and down to show how firm her body was and like showing all of her different angles. And then she wrote this long Instagram post about what she's been going through over the years, which is basically what I've summarized. And it's really interesting for me because part of me has this compassion for her and all the pressure that she's been under. But part of me feels like this is just adding more pressure to women because Chloe's basically saying, I worked really hard for this body. In other words, she didn't feel like she was good enough before So she's adding to that pressure that women have to work really hard and they have to change themselves to be accepted and loved. And by trying to take that photo down, which most people from the commentary I've seen have looked at and said, hey, she looks beautiful here. She looks great. What's the problem? When you try to take a photo down that looks good to other people, then they start to wonder, wow, if she doesn't think she looks good, should I feel good about how I look? If that's not good enough, like, wow, I must be in really bad shape. I must need to change my body. I must need to. And she was going on like, oh, the lighting was unflattering. And all of that is very triggering for me because it's like, wow, the pressure that women and men, let's take gender out of the equation, the pressure that anyone that has that form of femininity, I suppose, there's so much pressure to have the perfect lighting, to wear the right clothes to spend a lot of time eating a certain way, working out, and potentially getting work done, and then going on to Instagram and making sure that you're curating it to look good, but not too good as to show that you use the filters. And it's like, you could literally spend your entire day curating your image for that one photo on Instagram. And I suppose if that's the line of work that you want to do... Who's to criticize it? You know, if that's how Chloe makes money is off of looking a certain way. But the reason that she makes money is because companies pay her to be a role model and sometimes literally a model 
so that other people will aspire to look like her and buy their products. So then it ties into capitalism and perpetuating these beauty standards of never being good enough and, you know, beyond just the normal pressures of how you eat, how you work out, what clothes you wear, and how you pose for the camera and then edit it. Then there's all these other thoughts of like, wow, if that's not enough, then I must need to buy the same products that she's using. I need to use the body care that she's using, the supplements that she's using. I need to eat the exact way that she's she's eating. I need to do the same workouts that she's doing. I need to buy the clothes that she's wearing. And then it's like all of that money and time that goes into maintaining that image when that doesn't leave you much room for rest of your life. So for me, I mean, the bigger issue, and I imagine you feel similarly, Jason, because you seem kind of triggered by them. It's like the vanity, the superficial, and the redefining these beauty industries. And the last thing I'll say for now is that one of the best articulations of this I've seen is that the Kardashians have played into and perhaps even created a beauty standard so high that they can't even meet it. That who they are in a candid photo is still not good enough. They still need to have the perfect lighting. They still need to edit their photos. They still need to approve every image that goes out about them. So they can't just relax and be themselves, which again adds to this messaging for women or for anyone who is just anyone, period. Again, I don't want to make assumptions based on gender. They are putting this pressure that you can never relax because when you relax, you're not good enough. And that feeds into all of this capitalism that we often talk about on this show. So those are my feelings, Jason. I've caught you up on this a little. I'm curious, what are some of your thoughts and first impressions, given that you had not heard about this story at all? Well, first of all, I think the phrase that you talked about where one creates a standard and then one can't even measure up to the standard they helped co-create, that's absolutely, when you said that, it was like, wow. Not just in influencer culture, celebrity culture, I think one could, first of all, blow that out to a lot of different in industries. You know, you hear about, say, musicians or artists that have a breakthrough novel that sells millions of copies or a breakthrough album. And then the pressure to sort of meet the standard or meet the success they've created does some really interesting things to people's mental health. And I think this is a related thing where you have a paradigm of success where people expect certain things from you. And then you become a slave to that success. And the pressure to continue to succeed, to continue to make money, makes me wonder, is it even joyful anymore? Since we're talking about Khloe Kardashian, but I wonder for a lot of people who get into a mode of their life, they discover success and wealth and fame, and then the constant pressure to keep up and outdo yourself, not just necessarily maintain the standard, but exceed the standard and outdo oneself. Wow, you had this hit movie. What are you going to do for the sequel? Wow, your debut album sold 10 million copies. You have a diamond record. What are you going to do for the second album? Or in this case, you have a family who created a standard of beauty. And to your point, Whitney, I have a lot of thoughts, but I've talked to friends and also family members that have sisters or brothers. I'm an only child, so I can't necessarily relate to this. But it is interesting how often I've observed in conversation people telling me, particularly sisters, brothers in a different way. Brothers in like, I wanted to be a good athlete like him. I, you know, he, My brother was my role model, those kind of things. But in particular, with family members that are older than me, and you brought up this competition between sisters and female family members, or even mother and daughter. I can't relate because my father wasn't around. I didn't have siblings. I never felt like I was in competition with my mother. But I see this coming up a lot, this idea of triangulation or feminine competition within a family. So I think there's a lot of layers to this. What also comes up for me, though, is I think the idea of feminism or female empowerment is a very nuanced and complicated thing. I am by no means an expert. I'm by no means a sociologist or anthropologist. But I think it's an interesting thing that female empowerment can have different lenses on it, Whitney. And I'm going to bounce this back to you because what I see from certain friends and acquaintances and colleagues is people say 
relying on their body and their appearance and their sexual desirability based on these beauty standards to make money. And some friends and people doing very, very well for themselves and saying, I want to empower women and raise up women. And if I take my clothes off or I'm being scantily clad or I'm always in makeup or I'm nude or sexualized or whatever, I'm doing this to empower myself and empower other women. I've seen that perspective. But is it actually empowerment? And I'm I'm asking you because I'm curious, is it actually empowerment if we are subjugating ourselves, if women and men, again, if an individual is subjugating oneself to a commercialized standard of appearance to sell things, is that actually empowerment? Or is it sort of enslavement on a certain level mentally and spiritually? You know, I'm asking this in real time because on the one hand, I can see the idea of that being empowering. I can do what I want with my body. I can take my clothes off. I can use my body and my appearance to make money. That's empowerment. But on the other hand, the perspective could be, Whitney, that the pressure and the stress and the anxiety to constantly maintain that standard, as you said, I don't know if that necessarily feels like empowerment to me. And I say this because I've brought this up in previous episodes about starting to lose my hair and feeling all kinds of weird emotions around that of my self-worth and my desirability. I have my own version of that, right? And it's to say, if I look at something like muscle and fitness, or I look at Men's Health Magazine, and it's all about like, have six pack abs in two months and like losing your hair, do this to get your hair back and like learn these five techniques so you can have sex all night long. And so women and men are subjugated in similar ways. We really are of how sexual are you? How virile are you? How young do you look? Again, this is my opinion. I don't feel like that's actually empowerment. I feel like it's gaining success and fame and money through a structure that is using you. The capitalist system is like, okay, these people are sexy. They fit the beauty standard. Let's use them as public figures and celebrities. But to your point, whether it's a makeup line, whether it's skincare, whether it's supplements, whether it's a cellulite reduction thing, freeze your fat, buy this sauna, it seems like there's always some sort of fucking sales pitch attached to this stuff, doesn't it? And I don't know. I don't know that this feels like empowerment, Whitney. I'm curious how you feel about this line between I'm empowered because I can do what I want with my body and kind of present myself this way versus are we continuing to enslave ourselves and subjugate ourselves to standards that are impossible to meet? Like, where is that line between empowerment and subjugation? It's a really great question. And I think that many of us are very confused and society has allowed us or perhaps even conditioned to be confused. There are a lot of different perspectives on the world. So it's hard for us to find our place because a lot of our sense of self is centered around what other people think. I'm reading the book, The Righteous Mind right now, and it's really helping me understand from like a biological and a traditional societal frameworks around our belief systems and the pressures to fit in and the group mentalities and all of this. I think we as human beings struggle between autonomy and fitting in. It's like we want to be ourselves, but we also want to be accepted. So we can only like be a version of ourselves that feels acceptable. Because if we're, there's this fear that if we are too outside of the norms, then we might be ostracized. We might not get what we want. Right. And to your point, Jason, in terms of how that ties in, there's so many pressures, but they're also being perpetuated by our actions. So, for example, in one of the articles I sent you, Jason, this was um, kind of a, a summary from the standard.co.uk. They just summarized some of Chloe's statements in her Instagram. And she said that she was trying to live her life as honestly as possible with empathy and kindness. Now, is Photoshopping your body honest? Or, and I'm using Photoshop loosely, it could be Facetune, whatever the app you're using, right? Is that honest? I suppose it's honest. You know, maybe we need transparency, Jason, just like we do in our industry as content creators. If you and I are sponsored, we have to put hashtag ad or hashtag sponsored at the beginning of our post or somewhere within it. But usually we have to say it very clearly that we are being paid to promote these products. I feel like 
The next level of transparency would be when celebrities say, I'm using the filters that I use to edit myself, you know, in that way, somebody can look at them and say, all right, they have been altered. That transparency would be helpful because although Chloe says she wants to live honestly, the other human beings that are perceiving her may think that honesty is different, meaning, oh, because to me, honesty and real are very similar, if not the same, right? So what does Khloe Kardashian really look like? What does she actually look like? Is this an honest representation? Is posing in a bikini in specific lighting, wearing a flattering bikini with specific poses that you've been working on for years and years? I mean, you can go down this, this whole path of like, how do you define what's real when it comes to our bodies? And I think that's a huge part of the problem here. What I perceive as real is like when I stand in front of the mirror, that's what I look like in that moment. But I could turn to the side and my body is going to look different than it does at the front or a different angle. That's a lot of people are conditioned to pose their bodies. The putting your hand on your hip, putting your your foot up a little, like all I notice this within myself, all the ways that I kind of manipulate my body before a photo is taken or even ma- manipulate my body in front of a mirror. And I think that's why candid photos are tough because we are not under as control. And that's why selfies became so popular because with a selfie, you're looking at yourself and you can make sure that you have the right angle to position yourself because in the way that you believe is most flattering. For me, realness is like how my loved ones see me. But to your point, Jason, even our loved ones have viewpoints on us. Like people that say that they love us can still be very judgmental about our bodies. So we might not even feel fully comfortable in front of them. I notice the way that I dress in front of certain people, certain friends that I feel more comfortable with versus a little bit more insecure about my body. I notice like my tendency to do my makeup or my hair or whatever, like all of these little things in my head that I'm reflecting on to adjust myself. And that's when I wonder, is it honest of me? We have so many gray areas in terms of honesty. So when Chloe's saying, I'm trying to live my life as honestly as possible, I truly wonder what is her definition as honesty because it's not the same for everybody. And I think that's an important thing to say, right? Then she said, it's almost unbearable trying to live up to the impossible standards that the public have set for me. And this is the line where people were like, wait a second, did the public set that for you? Or are you said it? And then is it, it's perpetuated. So maybe yes, the public did set that for her, but she's perpetuating it and keeping it going longer by participating in it, in my opinion. So it's to say that is kind of like this victimhood, but I'm like, no, you're part of this. You have to recognize that people look up to you. They uphold you at those standards. So if you perpetuate those standards, you're part of the challenge. Just like being racist, like as a a white person, I could say, oh, other white people are racist, but I'm not. That's not true. I'm a white person. I've been part of the racist culture. I need to really examine what my role has been in it. And so the same thing with these beauty standards and same thing with money and privilege and all of these angles that we can come up. We cannot act as if we're not part of the problem. We have to take personal responsibility. So I find that line very triggering. And then she said, she almost contradicts herself by saying that she's used filters and lighting and editing to present herself to the world in the way that she wants to be seen. And it's like, wait a second, you just said that you are trying to live up to these standards. So are you saying that you want to live up to those standards? It doesn't quite make sense. And this is where when you start to pick apart what she actually said, Jason, I don't think she even knows what she wants. I don't know if she knows who she is. I think that it's very likely that she and many other people, myself included, are so confused because we don't even know who we are anymore because of the way that we believe that we're perceived by others and how we're trying to live up to standards that we're also part of perpetuating. So yes, I believe that women have a choice in what they share. Yes, I believe that women should be honest and lead in life with empathy and kindness. Yes, I feel like we need to reduce judging and try not to fit into these molds. But 
isn't she trying to fit into the mold? Like, I would like to know more about that. I think what she's saying, basically, Jason, to me feels so all over the place and confusing. That's not enough for me on this subject matter. We need to dive into this a lot deeper. And she potentially needs to like address this with a professional. And like, maybe this should, I mean, we could probably write a whole book on this subject matter alone and interview therapists and psychologists and all these people that study history and culture and all, you know, like this is a complicated thing. It can't just be solved by sending out an Instagram post. I think it's really complicated because if you can imagine being a person who is growing up in a family that before they were even famous, I mean, there was wealth and privilege there, okay? Then came the fame, which brought more wealth and privilege. And so I think I'm trying to imagine, first of all, growing up in that type of situation, because it's very much the opposite of how I grew up in, in some ways, a lot of ways. In terms of empathy, right? Of imagining a person who all of a sudden watches her sisters rising to a level of fame and wealth and being heralded and hated as being a family that represents this thing, right? And maybe deep down, I don't know her. I can't comment on on her personality or her, her psyche, but I think in some families, and certainly mine too, there's like, and I don't like this term. I would really love a new term. I was going to use the term black sheep. I don't like it because of the connotations of it. I think I would prefer someone who is maybe perceived as a better term would be an outcast or a pariah. Someone who's like, oh yeah, that's crazy Uncle Ted, or that's you know weirdo cousin Jason, or bizarro sister Whitney, whatever it is. I think that there's a fear if you look inside of a family unit in general of being a nonconformist, being radical, thinking, acting, behaving, choosing a lifestyle that is different than what you grew up in. There's a lot of pressure. There's religious pressure. There's societal pressure. There's a lot of family dynamics at play. Okay. But then you add a lot of money and a lot of fame and TV and the lens of society upon you. The empathy comes in, I can understand what she's saying in terms of this Herculean amount of pressure on her. But I wonder if there's a part of her that wants to hit the eject button and get the fuck out of the whole thing. Because it sounds to me like there probably is. Of, you know what? The hell with this shit. This is stupid. I'm full of anxiety and stress. I never wanted this anyway. But when you put fame and money in things, the temptation is people will destroy themselves for fame and money. We can see a quadrillion examples of that. They will destroy themselves. They will go against what their soul is telling them to do because there's enough zeros on the Instagram account. There's enough zeros in the bank account. This is not a new concept. But I wonder from an empathetic perspective, Whitney, if she is confused and there's a part of her soul that wants to get the hell out of the whole thing just exit the game completely. It's not a perfect analogy, but everyone kind of either applauded or vilified Meghan Markle and Prince Harry for doing what they did, right? It's like, oh, you, you exited the royal family, but you still have this money, whatever. I don't want to even get into that. But I think it comes down to you're born into wealth, you're born into privilege, you're born into fame, you're born into money. And maybe there's a part of you deep down that's like, I don't want any of this. But the pressure and the expectation is so much that you feel trapped. Maybe she feels trapped. But to your point, if we look at personal responsibility and we look at, I suppose, exerting one's will, she could choose to exit it, okay? She could choose to say, you know what? I'm opting out of the whole damn thing. I'm going to cancel all my social media accounts. I don't care about the sponsorship contracts. I'm done with it. She could, as hard and scary as that choice would be, I think it's important to remember the autonomy and the agency we have as individuals in a situation like this to say, wow, you know, maybe some soul searching is in order, maybe some therapy is in order, and maybe deep down her spirit is like, I don't want any of this. But it's probably terrifying to have that thought when you're in that position, right? Because of the fame, money, and expectations. It's probably terrifying. Absolutely. And who knows what she's going through, but I guess that's part of what I'm saying in terms of this public statement that she made. It doesn't show the full picture. But at the same time, we can't force somebody to be ready to make a giant leap. Like you're saying, as we saw with what happened with Meghan Markle and Prince Harry, that was emotionally a taxing experience for them to leave that family. 
and to make that whole shift. And I actually, I've often wondered about Caitlyn Jenner because from my perception, she stepped out of the limelight in terms of the Kardashians. You know, she's no longer on the show. And I don't know if that's because they don't want her to be or she doesn't want to be. You see her in bits and pieces. I think she was recently on The Masked Singer or something, you know. I don't keep up with all of that, but I did find it was interesting because she was very involved with the show when she was Bruce. And then when she made her transition, she she had like a little TV show. Like, I, I'm just kind of curious, like maybe she just wants to go live her life. Maybe she wants to step out of the limelight, you know, and I actually think that's really cool and respectable, right? I also think there's nothing wrong with being on a reality TV show except for the fact that you have to take ownership of how you affect other people. And that's part of it is that I think the big message here is that it's not just about her. When you're a public figure, your job is related to inspiring other people. You take that responsibility on with that. A really good article I found on this topic is on the dailybeast.com. And by the way, I don't know how great this source is, but this was really well articulated. One of it was that economic incentive always takes precedence over women's actual needs, which I think is such a great phrase. And then further down in the article, going back to Chloe's statement, they said that she is justifying herself by saying she didn't, quote, pay for it all, as in receive surgery. And a lot of people have debated, like, is she lying about that? Did she get surgery? But to the point of this article, they said, regardless of whether she went to a surgeon, saw a nutritionist, worked out with a trainer, or hired a personal chef, she did in fact pay for the way she looks in one form or the other. And that's absolutely true because it seems to me, from my perception, that most women do not have the body that Chloe has. And we saw what she looked like before. In fact, Chloe's physique many years ago is probably not that far off from mine, right? And I find that relatable. Unfortunately, the media makes calls her out as fat, which makes me wonder, wow, like I must be fat according to the media. I must not be pretty enough. If I looked like Chloe's before, if I currently look like Chloe's before photos, wow, I must be doing something wrong. But I'm personally not interested in spending the time and money, Jason, to go to a nutritionist to work out as hard as she is, to hire a professional chef to completely change my diet. I've done all of those things over the years and my body has changed. I mean, I've seen, quote, results from eating a certain way. Like when I was doing the vegan keto diet, like certainly it made my body look a certain way that I thought lived up to some of the beauty standards, but I didn't really want to do all the work that came along with that for me. It felt like work and I missed eating some of the foods. That's a long whole road, but it was a lot of work physically or mentally, right? And it can be more expensive to try to figure all this stuff out. And there's so much pressure from companies to buy their products in order to maintain yourself, which I think is also really disturbing and not within reach for a lot of people. That's part of this issue too, Jason. Like, that's a privilege to be able to do those things. And the pressure that people feel where they don't think that they're good enough because they can't afford to hire a nutritionist, they can't afford to eat all organic, they can't afford to work out because they're busy at working a job. You know, most people are too exhausted to go through a workout. And you can argue for and against all this stuff. You can say, hey, eating organic can be inexpensive. I myself wrote a whole book on that. Like, yes, you can eat organic for a low amount of money a day, but you also have to have access to those places that sell inexpensive food, or you have to have the knowledge of how to put that food together. And as you and I know, Jason, when you and I did an experiment and we ate for under $5 a day, we were cooking all the meals ourselves. We weren't buying any packaged foods. We had to cook everything ourselves. We had to go to the store and price shop it actually took a lot of work and effort for us to eat that less amount of money. So maybe if you don't have a job and you have a ton of time to go spend making your own food and all that, regardless, like you can argue for the time and for the money and being creative. That's not my point. My point is, is that there's a cost involved one way or another. And not everybody wants to spend the time, wants to spend the money, wants to spend the energy, 
has the resources to do any of that stuff. And I think that's a huge part of this whole issue with these beauty standards is that they are part of perpetuating all that pressure and making it seem like it's honest when their version of honesty and their version of reality may be very, very different than a lot of other people. In this article that you sent over, there's one line that really pops out at me. And I think that beyond the beauty industry or the celebrity obsession we have, I think it filters into a lot of aspects of our culture. And the line that really jumped out at me is the idea that earning beauty adds a layer of virtue or importance to it. And that's capitalism doing its best work. That really hits it for me because it's not just the idea that you've earned your beauty, you've earned your body, you've earned your status, you've earned your sexual desirability. But we see this filtering in the wellness business into so many tentacles and cracks because if we take biohacking, for example, it's, oh my God, all of the EMF is going to destroy you and radiate you and you're going to get cancer. Well, shit, I should just get all of this expensive EMF blocking equipment and put a Faraday cage around my house and put copper-infused paint on my walls and spend all of this money so that the EMF won't destroy me. And oh, my telomeres are getting too short, so I should invest in all of these really expensive organic Chinese herbs so I can lengthen my telomeres and maybe live to over the age of 100. And oh, definitely I should invest in these super expensive high-elevation goji berries because they have higher levels of lycopene and antioxidants, and that's going to keep my cells healthy. I could give a trillion more examples of it, but I think the point is this virtue signaling and that I've earned my health, I've earned my longevity, I've earned my beauty, absolutely is capitalism doing its best work. Because if you don't, whoa, guess what? Where does this go to? You're not enough. You must not be enough because you can't afford the $5,000 cryo chamber. You can't afford the $55 lipstick. You can't afford $20 a bag goji berries. You must be doing something wrong with your life. And everyone else is leapfrogging you because look how beautiful they are. Look how vibrant they are. Look how long they're going to live. I mean, yoga has been commodified to a degree that is like, I don't believe that was ever the intent of the practice of yoga. I don't believe that a lot of this was ever intended to become the juggernaut monster that it is. But like so many things, Whitney, I think that start with, I'll use the words noble intention become co-opted when people realize how much money they can make. I'm not poo-pooing making money. We need it to survive in the current societal paradigm. But I think when you subjugate people to feelings of not enoughness, not beautiful enough, not strong enough, not living long enough, not vibrant enough, buy this thing, I've got the solution for you. It's predatory and it's fucked up. And I think to blow this out again, beyond the, just the beauty industry, it's part of the wellness industry, it's part of the yoga industry, it's part of the fashion industry, it's you're not enough until you have this fancy new thing. But the rub is, and the reason the capitalistic machine continues to destroy and consume people, is because once you get the thing, you still don't feel like you're enough. You got to go get the expensive hydroxy facial, and you got to go to the right spa, and you got to buy the right car. And I just think that we're all being subjugated to a degree that a lot of people aren't even conscious of how deeply they're subjugated. And I think the real question at the end of this, Whitney, to me is, what do you really want? Do you want to be free? Do you want to liberate yourself from the system to a degree where you feel a sense of freedom and self-acceptance? Or do you want to keep feeding the machine because the machine is feeding you in terms of approval, attention, money, and fame? But what are you sacrificing in the result of that exchange? Because the more that I go on, the freer I want to feel. And I realize that in order for me to actually feel free, I need to try and disconnect myself from these layers of subjugation and not enoughness and the industrial corporate machine trying to tell me that I'm a piece of shit unless I have all this stuff. I'm wanting to liberate myself more and more from this subjugation because I don't think that ultimately it's healthy mentally. I don't think it's healthy for our souls. And I'm becoming more and more disinterested in playing the game, Wit. I really don't want to play the game anymore. That's where I'm at with the whole thing. I can absolutely agree. You know, and it's hard to disconnect from it all, having been part of it for so long as an influencer, as somebody trying to find my worth through my appearance. It's not easy because I've spent so much of my life, and others have too, trying to 
feel validated through how other people perceive me. And it's really hard and scary to show up on camera without wearing makeup and doing my hair and wearing certain clothes and having the perfect background. I mean, even just showing up for our YouTube videos feels challenging because I have this deep-seated fear that other people are going to judge me, that they're going to think I'm unattractive, that they're going to think less than me, that I won't get the opportunities. I mean, we've talked about this a lot. There's a whole train of thought connected to this, and this is why this issue is so incredibly important. One last article I want to reference, as of now at least, who knows where this will go, but is on BuzzFeed, which I didn't expect to have such a great article, but this one is really phenomenal. And we'll link to this along with any articles and references that we make in our show notes at wellevator.com. So if you, the listener, would like to read these things yourself to share anything that we've shared, go to wellevator.com, which is spelled W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. Click on the podcast section. When you find this episode, it's got a transcript. It's got the YouTube video. It's got the links to everything we reference that you can easily share or reference anything that you would like to check out. And in this BuzzFeed News article, the author talks about how the photo looked very normal of Chloe. And I think that's part of this problem too, Jason, to your point, is that she's basically saying normal isn't acceptable. Like I was saying before, relaxed. Also, like this normal idea, like normal isn't good enough. And in fact, she's been part of that perpetuating. She had a show called Revenge Body in which it was all about getting revenge by changing your body. (laughs) And it's like, really? That's how you stand up for yourself? That's how you grow your confidence is losing weight and wearing certain clothes. And that's all been perpetuated. And no wonder you don't want to be part of it, Jason, or neither do I. It's so exhausting. It's too much. Like I said, it's too much time, it's too much money, it's too much energy. My value as a human being is so much more than those things. But if I spend all my time, energy, and money on trying to uphold a standard that's impossible that even Khloe Kardashian with all her time and money can't adhere to, I think this, if anything, this is the positive to this situation, is that if we go, wait a second, even Khloe Kardashian doesn't feel good enough about her body to just let this photo go, then I'm never going to get to that point. So might as well not try and in a positive way. And that mentality of, wait a second, what if instead of trying to please other people, trying to fit into these standards, what if I just tried to please myself and fit in? What if I redefined my own standards? And that's what I've been working on. It's not easy. It's taking a long time. If Chloe ever chose to do that herself, it's not going to be easy for her either, to your point, Jason. Like disconnecting from all of that is a lot of work because of these standards that she has set and the way that they have profited off of them. There's so much money. One of the things that that article on BuzzFeed says is that we might feel a little better about our imperfect human bodies if influencers like the Kardashians didn't rank in millions from hawking unnecessary and ineffective weight loss tools, or if famously beautiful women didn't funnel their wealth into countless cosmetic surgeries or filters and photoshops and Instagram face weren't so ubiquitous. Celebrities are incredibly powerful cultural figures. They're happy to wield that power when it benefits them in accruing money, connections, and fame, while often refusing to admit It even exists when they're held accountable for putting toxic garbage into the world. It's extraordinarily sad to me, this is the author speaking, to imagine chasing down a nice normal picture of yourself because it's not staged and edited to absurd levels of perfection. And yet all these messages go into our head. They are feeding us and they are trapping us in this basically matrix world that we've been living in where we're constantly fed messages like this, even if we don't recognize it on a conscious level, subconsciously, we're seeing instances like this and thinking, if Chloe's not good enough, I'm not good enough. If she doesn't like the way she looks there, then why should I like the way that I look there? If Chloe feels like she has to go justify her body and bounce around in a bikini or naked to prove everybody how hard she's worked, great. I should probably go do that too. 
if it took her a ton of work to get to that point, I better get to work to do it too. All of that stuff is perpetuated for women and for men. And it's time that we really step back and think about it and recognize how it's really deeply affecting us. Because take it from us on this show, Jason and I have had enough, but I can't honestly say that I'm fully disconnected from it. It's going to take a very long time if I ever get to a point where I'm not part of that system. I think also it's my kind of final thoughts on it are, we're not guaranteed a future, of course. We don't know how long we're going to live. Yet, I wonder at what point you just stop giving a fuck. Because I don't know that there's a magic age for this, but it seems to me that there's a certain point where obsessing over your abs and the size of your breasts and the size of your biceps and how good you look in these photos, it seems like there's a point where it's like, because of the psychotic obsession of youth in our culture, just the debilitating, psychotic, violent obsession with youth, that at a certain point, it's like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to abandon ship on this. You know, like at, at what point is it like, okay, I'm 78 years old. I don't give a shit about the surgery and the liposuction and the thing and the makeup. And the, I don't know that I have a, a necessarily a point in this, but it's like, is part of the pressure to cash in, quote, while we're young and beautiful? Let me make as much money and let me get as famous as I can possibly do before things go south. Like the toxicity of this is the ageism also. The toxicity of this is not only the subjugation of beauty standards for men and women, but it's the rampant psychotic obsession with youth and freshness that we have in, our, in society. It's psychotic because we don't honor the elders in our society. We don't honor the fact that people have so much to contribute creatively, intellectually, throughout their entire lives. It's like at a certain point, women in particular, I mean, we talk about the standards. It's this weird vilification, like once men start going gray, then they're silver foxes, right? Then it's like, oh, yay, you know, all these daddy issues and like, I want to get me a silver fox and all this shit. But women start going gray and it's like, we start to devalue them as beings because, ooh, you're old now. It's fucked up. The ageism in our culture is fucked. And I think part of the pressure, Whitney, is particularly for women to cash in like a motherfucker before they, quote, go downhill. It's so toxic and it's so sad that we don't honor our elders and we, we devalue them because they're not sexualized anymore. Like our obsession with youth and sex and beauty is fueling all this. And I think if we can start to, as human beings, unravel this insane toxic obsession with youth and beauty and age, then maybe we can start to not feel this race to the finish line to cash in as much as possible before we're not sexy anymore or whatever we're thinking about ourselves. It's the same thing that I talk about with friends who are actors and actresses or musicians. It's like, oh, I'm not marketable anymore. No one's going to want to represent me because I'm, I'm too old to make it. Like, this is such fucked up thinking. This is such fucked up messages we get. Like, you're no longer valuable as an artist because you're in your 40s or 50s or 60s. Fuck this. Fuck all of this. Like, I'm so over all of this shit, Whitney, where it's like, can we manifest the self-love and the permission in ourselves to rage against the machine? Because this machine is doing so much damage to us psychologically. It really, truly is. And so I want to somehow, for myself and for you and for the listeners, like, can we give ourselves the authority and permission to say, I don't give a shit how old I am. I'm going to do what I want with my life. And whether people accept it or not, fuck them. Like, we are really... I'm getting so fired up here at the end of the episode because I, you realize the depth that this goes to and how bad we are made to feel about ourselves. It's horrible. It's horrible. And I don't know what I want to do about it, but I'm getting so fired up because I realize how much all of us are subjected to it. And it's awful. I want to examine how I'm feeding this stupidity and this toxicity and to go in the other direction. I don't know what that's going to look like, but I, I'm getting fired up about all this, Whitney. I don't know that I have a conclusion, but other than just that, on some level, we are all devalued and tossed aside when we reach a certain age because of the insane obsession we have with youth. And I don't like it, and it's not okay, and it's completely disrespectful to our elders. It's completely disrespectful to ourselves to think we're no longer attractive or useful in our society because of how we look or what our age is. It's beyond fucked up. 
It is. And I mean, we could go on and on. I mean, the rabbit hole I've been in looking into the responses that this photo controversy has brought up is pretty nuts. There were a couple others that I wanted to bring up, and one of which ties into that ageism, which was on people.com. It was a quote from Katie Couric, who has also been in a similar situation where people have edited her and she wasn't happy about it. And she said that when we start seeing people as they age and appreciate the beauty that comes with that, women will stop trying to look young all the time. Someone said to me, I have so many wrinkles. I said, I think wrinkles show a lifetime of laughing and smiling. And that's an awesome thing to show on your face. Now, of course, it's wonderful as a sentiment to read things like that, but we have a lot to undo. And as I said, this is not easy work in terms of what action you can take, Jason. Like we first start as individuals and really recognize how we're affected by this. I think you and I speaking openly about this on our show is amplifying our voices and opinions on this, but it's going to take a lot of work. Just like racism takes a lot of work, just like ageism and all of these isms, these judgments that we put on other people about how they look, how they choose to live, who they choose to love. This is a long process and we might not achieve it. We might not get as far as we want to get in our lifetimes, but we can do our best to live from our truth, you know? Another article on BuzzFeed News was really poignant in saying that the Kardashian spectacle doesn't work if they look like us. It doesn't work if they look like regular people. Instead, we get their carefully curated images that they borrow from various cultures, by the way, allowing the women of the family to shapeshift, which has inspired a legion of Kardashian copycat influencers on smaller budgets. How could Kylie Jenner sell a $29 lip combo kit if her own pout didn't kickstart trends and challenges? And how could Kim market body foundation to hide imperfections if she weren't the poster girl for being completely hairless and having skin like glass, right? So they are part of this whole world. And no wonder Chloe has all this pressure. The article says, when does the reality get that Chloe herself can't keep up with the Kardashians and that there's no shame in admitting that she can't? I think actually it's very empowering to hear it. But if you look back to that previous statement, maybe she can't admit it, Jason, because she knows if she does, she won't be able to make money in the way that she is if she's too normal. The article says that it's worth emphasizing that mental illness doesn't discriminate where class, gender, race, or privilege are concerned, and therefore it should never be minimized. But what does discriminate is access to treatment, help, and support. So I think what they're saying there is that just because she has a lot of money and she's high class and she's got all this privilege, like that doesn't mean that she doesn't have mental illness. So I, I imagine there's some, I mean, I would be willing to bet that she's got a some sort of an eating disorder or disordered eating, right? Based on how much shame she probably felt from this perfectly normal photo coming up. It's kind of also that photo, Jason, it's like a Wizard of Oz moment where like you reveal the curtain and it's just some little guy behind the scenes running this powerful thing. It's like, was she ashamed with how her body looks or was she afraid to be perceived as normal? Does she want people to see her as so far above them and so powerful that she can't admit that she's really just a person? Is that too scary? And, and how much too, I wonder, Jason, was that her or was that her team? What pressures was she getting from her family members and other people that work with them to control this whole image? What if that really wasn't her decision to react in that way? I have no evidence to support this, what I'm about to say. I'm just putting out a possibility. What if all of this was intentional and orchestrated? Because if we know that the reason that the Kardashians, as an example, you can name any celebrity, any influencer, the greatest currency is not the money they receive. The greatest currency is the attention. 
So whether that's positive attention or negative attention, if we want to create a dualistic model for it, attention's still attention. Clicks are still clicks. Tweets are still tweets. Reshares are still reshares. So is it possible that maybe this was orchestrated to get more attention? It is possible because she got a shit ton of attention for it. So let's not throw out the possibility of the prestidigitation because you use the Wizard of Oz, right? The magic behind the curtain. It's very well possible this was intentional. That's all I'm saying. Oh, I thought about that too. You're absolutely right, Jason. I mean, right in wondering about that, spot on, because that's that's the tendency and the pattern with the Kardashians, it seems, that they bring up these sensational news stories to just further keep the attention on them, you know? And it certainly works. I get sucked right into it. I'm curious. I want to go look at her Instagram when I don't normally look at it. I found myself watching a little bit of Keeping Up with the Kardashians recently. Like, it's fascinating and they are masters at it. Oh, was it, maybe it was um, our guest actually, our upcoming guest, Owen, who worked as a paparazzi for a long time. I don't know if he said this on our show, Jason, or he talked about it elsewhere, but he has known Kim Kardashian for many years and she's an incredibly intelligent woman. And a great businesswoman. And I think her mother is clearly all of them have become phenomenal powerhouses, which is great from a gender perspective in terms of women that have, quote, been self-made, if you want to believe that. It's amazing what they have accomplished is with their businesses. But at what cost is the big question? What cost for themselves and what cost for society? And how much are we being manipulated? And this goes back to that whole thing about Chloe saying that she wants to live an honest life. I don't know. My perception of honesty might be very different from hers because if, if that was, in fact, a big publicity stunt, Jason, it's really frustrating. But I will hold to my point in saying that at the very least, the benefit is that it gets us talking about body image and examining this. And like I said, there's a whole rabbit hole that you can go down, I could spend probably hours reading about all this. There's another one and people from Jamala Jamil, is that her name? I don't know if I'm pronouncing it correctly, but I know who she is. And we can link to this article in People Magazine. And she comes out about diet culture and fat phobia and impossible beauty standards. And she always has kind of a good perspective on these issues. And it's great to see people like her talking about this. And it's great to see conversations. And I'm glad that you and I had a conversation because we don't know who's listening, Jason, and who might need to hear this. We have no idea. And I think it's important to explore these things. It's important to learn about them. It's important to be open-minded. And it's important to recognize that this isn't a black and white issue. And this is not an easy one to solve. It's not that Khloe Kardashian is a bad person. I don't see the Kardashians in general as evil. I see actually a lot of amazing things that they've accomplished in their life. But there are sides of them that I do not fully support and I don't think are good for our society. And I think there's a lot of manipulation involved and they're playing into a lot of the capitalistic classism and not being mindful of the, you know, there's this famous line from the Keeping Up with Kardashian show. I think it's Courtney who said this when Chloe was crying about something. Uh, Courtney said, People are dying, Kim. And it's turned into this meme. And it's like representing the fact that you can cry over something. I think this is, there's a famous episode that many people know of where she loses a diamond earring in the ocean or something. And she's literally crying, is so distraught about it. Which again, I'd probably cry if I lost a diamond earring in the ocean. But, you know, unlike her, <laughs> I, I can't easily go acquire another one. And I think it's important to remember that it's all a matter of perspective. So while it may be entertaining to watch them, while it might be interesting, pique our curiosity to pay attention, we also really have to be self-aware in how we're impacted by their beauty and impacted by their influence and impacted by their behaviors. And I am grateful for you, Jason, for having this conversation and sharing your thoughts. And we would love to hear from you, the listener, about your thoughts. If you came across other articles, other points being made, please send them our way. 
And you can reach out to us through Instagram direct message or direct message on Facebook, on Twitter, wherever you can reach us. We are under at Wellevator, which is W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R. And that's also our domain, wellevator.com, where you can find the show notes, as I mentioned, for everything we've referenced. You can comment there if you'd like. And you can also find our email address if you'd like to have a private dialogue. We really love hearing from you. We want to know your thoughts. We want to know if you have any additional information that you'd like to share with us on this because we want to keep the conversation going. And if you have an idea for future episodes, we'd like to hear that too. In fact, we just got a suggestion from a listener recently that we already have in the queue. So please feel free to share anything you'd like to hear us discuss and further details on that. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back with another episode in just a few days. We have new episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Friday are our guest episodes where we try to bring on interesting people that can further educate us and give us different perspectives. And we look forward to having another one out in just a few days. And that's it for now. Bye. Thanks for listening and getting out of your comfort zone with us today. For show notes and more high-performance resources to help you thrive, go to wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com.